you have somebody in your life who loves books? Somebody who not only loves books, but always wants to share what she's reading with you, thinking that you're just going to love her latest selection. And inevitably, you just can't stand that book that they recommended. That's us. Yes, it is. We both read a lot. Well, I don't even read, I listen. But we very rarely agree on what constitutes a good read. I enjoy books that build up new worlds, inviting magic and mystery into our lives. Science fiction and fantasy rule. Okay. (laughs) I listen to a variety, but it's all grounded in reality. You can keep all that magical stuff. I will. Thank you. It's fabulous. Welcome to our podcast. You're making me read what? Your hosts on this monthly podcast are myself, Jessica, and my colleague, Christine. We're librarians who get a thrill out of a great book, but usually can't stand what the other person is reading. We've each selected some of our all-time favorite books, and each month we'll alternate between the lists with the goal of persuading the other to enjoy a read she would never have picked up on her own. Indeed. Even a book that isn't entirely your style may have some redeeming qualities to it, right? Correct. to see. Do you want to spoiler alert us? Absolutely. Let's just dive in. Let's make it happen. Uh, So now's the time for us to warn you that we're going to talk about the whole book, Mm -hmm. including any endings and magical twists. If you haven't read Blind Your Ponies yet and you plan to do so, please stop listening now and join us again after you've read it or have decided that you're not going to. And this one is, um, I believe you called it earlier, a chunk of a book. It is a chunk. It is a chunk of a book. I have the hard copy in front of me, and this is like a, what is it, trade paperback? Mm -hmm. Uh, Kind of the biggie paperback size, and it's 539 pages. So it's it's got some heft to it. It's an investment. It is an investment. Well, we should probably explain this particular book selection because Mm -hmm. it's neither of ours. Right. So this book is Blind Your Ponies by Stanley Gordon West. And let me give a little description because then, then people will go, huh, that's interesting. Wouldn't have thought. Doesn't th- sound like either of you. Does not. So this is set in a small town in the Midwest in Montana called Willow Creek. Mm-hmm. And it's about, uh, it's a cast of characters really. Mm-hmm. But the kind of main-ish character is a man named Sam. Mm-hmm. Sam is a teacher at their local school, which has an entire enrollment of 18 students, which is Redonkulous. Um, <laughs> and they're always fighting to stay open because they're they always being students. threatened to yeah. be, yeah, you know, worked into another school, consolidated into another school. Yes. And he is both the English teacher and the de facto basketball coach Correct. for their team of five. So I don't know how they got five out of a team, class of 18, but they did. And the the whole book is around this basketball team, which is striving to break their loss record. And they had lost 87 or 86 games in a row. And so this book is really kind of a, a Cinderella story mm-hmm. about their redemption in mm-hmm. the game of basketball. And it involves all the townspeople. And you get little storylines from each of them, including all the students. And at the end, um, good prevails. I would like to stop you right here and say how proud I am of you for two reasons. One, you just said basketball. I know. Like you knew that the sport existed. It's written on my paper. Good job. Thank you. And the other thing, this was, I thought I was going to have to explain the term Cinderella story to you, but you nailed it. I did. Did you know that there is a movie um, with, oh gosh, what is his name? Um, The man who was in Gladiator, Russell Crowe. Okay. Um, And it was um, Cinderella Man. Didn't know that, but sure. Okay. I'm better at movies. Sure. And it's about a Cinderella story, kind of. So, yes. Um, Just so that everyone knows, I have a little sheet of paper in front of me that has, like, thoughts and themes from the book. And the first one, literally, I am reading to you what I've written here. 
including the exclamation points, which will you hear in my intonation. <laughs> sports. My love and knowledge of sports. Sports ball. Sports analogies. Dunk. <laughs> oh, my God. You knew that this was dunk and not kick. Yep. Dunk. Oh, nice job. Sports ball. You did research. I did. I did so much. If you cannot tell, dear readers and dear listeners and dear people out there, I am not really much of a sports fan. This book was a hard sell for me. <laughs> But how did we get it? Oh, that's right. We have to go back to the part where it's not sports, sports ball, sports dunk. Um, we offered up the opportunity for a member of the public to select a book for us to read through our Library Foundation's annual auction process. And this book was selected by one of our branch managers, Ms. Lynn. And she lived in the state that this was set in. And I I believe she met the author at one point. Yeah. She was a... Um, a school librarian, yep. and it was part of a program that they had done around this book. So she wanted us to read it, and we both read it. We did. That is the statement I am making. And I love that this was originally self-published, yes. kind of before self-publishing was as easy as it is to do now. Yes. I'm not. I don't mean to say to be dismissive because <laughs> I don't think it's easy by any stretch. But uh-uh. there weren't as many options, yeah. and it took off as kind of a local favorite. And um, then a publisher picked it up because it was so popular. So that's yeah. that's a Cinderella story right in and of itself. Oh, we are so sportsy today. That's true. I, you can you can tell how sports I am feeling mm-hmm. in my black dress and my black heels today. Yes. It's like I could go out and throw or kick something or both. Right. Yes, I am prepared for the sports of the day. So now, <laughs> now that you've <laughs> properly explained the book, mm. I have to eat some crow. So. Remember what? way back when, when we were setting this up and there was a, oh, blind your ponies. Oh, yeah, that's about the blinders that you put on yeah. for your <laughs> So horses. they don't get scared of traffic. Could not have been further from the truth. This is how bad, dumb rumors get started because <laughs> dumb people say things that are dumb that they don't know anything about. Should and we tell, usually it's me. Should we tell them about daylight savings as well? Because <laughs> neither of us were right about that one. That's for a different story. <laughs> but I would like to clear the record and say that um, I could not have been more wrong about the phrase blind your ponies. <laughs> it was actually, well, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm taking it on faith because it said that this was how uh, the author incorporated it yeah. into um, the title. It was that crow warriors returned after a long hunting trip to find that the rest of their camp was dead from smallpox. Mm. And they were so overwrought with grief that they blindfolded their ponies and rode them off a 60-foot cliff to be with their loved ones in death. So I was trying to make this very innocuous. It is not. It is horrible and tragic and wow. You made a solid effort. Sure. That by was, making that was, stuff up. That was a good on you moment. Thanks. Um, this one was, I tried to start reading this, I'm going to say four <laughs> months ago now. It was a long time Probably ago. a while ago now. I was about ready to go on maternity leave and I thought, oh, I should check out the next couple of our podcast books and really prepare myself. Within the first 20 pages or so is both that story where, mm-hmm. where everybody's dead and then you mutilate animals and then you fall Die off again. a cliff. <laughs> and within the first five pages or so, you get the backstory for the main character whose wife is murdered in a Burger King mm-hmm. by a shotgun mm-hmm. shell to the head and it describes all the gory stuff. Mm-hmm. So... Okay, imagine me, 38-ish weeks pregnant. Nope. <laughs> no, I, I would like to keep the nausea at bay. So I set this lovely book down, and I picked it up yesterday. 
So, and remind us again, how many pages? 500 539. Mm-hmm. So I wandered into work yesterday morning and I said, Christine, look, I started it. <laughs> 70 pages in. And I did finish it. So that was some power reading. And there was actually quite a lot to like in this book. I agree. Uh, which I was <laughs> surprised by. I surprised myself. <laughs> so this is exactly like our little intro. Sometimes there are pieces to books, even in genres you don't care about, that are compelling. Sure. Uh, there was... This was pretty well written, I mm-hmm. thought. There was an interesting storyline, if I excluded all of the sports time. Sure. Because that part I didn't care about. Um, and I liked all the little side stories. Mm. I thought that that was helpful. It mm-hmm. was it built up the part of it that I really liked, the, the town, the camaraderie piece mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. What did you like about it? I liked, well, everybody likes a Cinderella story, like you said. Mm-hmm. This one may have been a little too far-fetched for me. Every game was one point difference. Well, one point. And the, 75, I, 74, the 86, idea, 85. Here's the spoiler, again. Um, the idea that a team could go from never having won a game in five years to mm. being state champions mm. is a stretch. With no backups. Because they, Correct. Because they, they had five players. Right. And so period. when someone got injured, they had, had four players. Yes. And there were no people to, uh, wait, sports term, sub in. Nice. I know. Thank you. Wow. Dr- Dribble. <laughs> I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm whelmed. <laughs> um, so, going to have to work harder to get you to the over part. <laughs> uh, I'm level whelmed. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think the whole um, Cinderella story was lovely. I think that the, that the author obviously had um, compassion for each of the characters. So yes. life was very hard for every single one of them. Like, at the end of it, I was so tired just thinking, holy cow, each of these people has suffered so much, even the young ones. You yes. know, they, life was just hard. And yes. so it was a little gut-wrenching um, to get through. Um, but I think that the author was very um, sympathetic to everybody, and, and everybody was well-rounded and kind of human. Yeah, they were complete. None of them yeah. were caricatures. I, I will say that there were some characters where I didn't personally appreciate the attributes that were given to them. Sure. So, again, in that first, I don't know, 50 or 60 pages, there's one character named Hazel, mm-hmm. and she is the lunch lady, or mm-hmm. she's the cook at the school, and she has a couple of other things. And he writes in there at one point that he didn't think of her as obese. He thought of her as big. Right. And that she was twice the size that God intended her to be. Right. And that she jiggled like a bowl full of jelly when she walked. And yeah. it was this kind of unrelenting and unnecessary description. Yeah. yeah. And there were a couple of spots like that. It was the description he used of her, it just felt kind of outdated. Like yeah. this was written in the 80s and it was not edited maybe for current consumption. Yeah. I mean, I think that might be one of the risks of self-publishing. You know, yeah. I, I I think I, I did read some um, uh reviews Mm -hmm. on Goodreads um, just in prep for this, which I generally don't do. I never do before I read the book, but for our podcast. But um, I did last night just to kind of get a sense. And it was really interesting because people were really polarized. Yes. Um, Lots of people loved it for the reasons that we're saying. Mm -hmm. Small town, kind of come together, the camaraderie, um, the Cinderella story. But then a lot of people were like, oh, my God, too many metaphors and similes. Yes. The writing was ridiculous. Yeah, syntax was not great. Yeah, so, and that was another thing. I listened to it, and apparently there were a lot of grammatical errors in the print version that I, of course, didn't 
Yes. Experience. I, I cannot in any way lay this at the at the base of the author. Right. But the book that I checked out is new and the glue didn't set very well. So maybe every 30 pages I would turn it and the page would pop out. <laughs> oh, dear. Which was interesting and not, again, no, so, nothing so to do with anything with story. Stuff just popped out at you. It, yeah. And I used it as a bookmark <laughs> as a little reference point. So, like, the, the size of Hazel was... Uh, Unnecessary. There yeah. are other ways that you can describe a person who's heavier set or right. obese or anything like that. Um, I was really disturbed at the obviousness and blatantness of um, people beating their children. Yes. That, that was, was not right. Pretty horrific. So there's one character in here, George Stonebreaker. And uh, it's apparent from the start of the book that he hits his teenage child right. and probably has done so for a while. And nobody does anything. Right. They don't they, they know it's happening. Right. And they just it's just a fact of life. And oh, no, mm -mm, not happy about that. Well, I mean, it, it goes to the whole point of how hard life is for everybody yes. in here. And then you do go to find out why George is in a bad way. It yeah. doesn't justify his behavior by any nope. stretch of the imagination, but it makes yeah. you understand him. Um, I don't know that I understood him. It is one piece of his life that he has chosen to hold on to right. and allows to influence him in a really inappropriate way. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah. So there were there were lots of pieces like that. It was just, um, you know how sometimes you can tell when a book is written by someone who is of the same, same generation of you yeah. or of the same gender as you yeah. or the same political frame as you? I could tell from from just this first reading this was not my generation. Right. And it was not my chosen gender. Right. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, and I will say I did enjoy the sports stuff. I, I'm, <laughs> I am. You're a sports person? Well, Do you I like the sports ball. I understood the sports ball <laughs> when I was in my young, in my salad days. How's that? You don't even know what that means. I do. Um, Wait, is that from Jeeves? No, it's from being old. Um, so <laughs> back in the day, I was very interested in sports, pretty much of all kinds. Yeah. I have fallen out of interest, but I do want to say that I killed it in my family's NCAA uh, March Madness men's bracket. This year, I'm the winner. So apparently some of my sports knowledge conveyed or it was just such a wacky year that even the dumb dumb one could win and i did um so i do understand basketball and i did appreciate you know the team spirit and the coaching yeah. and the str the strategery that goes into it and everything yeah um i did find it repetitive like he could have knocked out probably lots of those games yeah. or condensed them into um just yeah. synopses rather than play by play well, and some of it was, you know, there's one character who's in the hospital at one point. Mm -hmm. And so instead of being there live for the game, she's in this facility and she's bringing everyone together. So they're listening to it. Right. And so what you're hearing isn't really the live version. Right. It's their listening to it. And it's that kind of radio play by pay. Right. Like, oh, this person dunked here and that person dribbled that way. And oh, no, somebody did, I don't know, other basketball stuff. <laughs> They jumped. Somebody jumped with a ball, and then they did stuff with it. Stop, stop. You're confusing me. All the sports stuff, I'm confused. Get to the point. <laughs> I think that was my point. I think, I think I've reached the consensus with myself of that point, which is I agree that for me there was too much of that. But I think that was the point of the book, that mm -hmm. it, was, it was the journey of the people in the community through this team playing basketball. Mm -hmm. So he used that as the – conveyance method right. to share, you know, all the right. fun that was happening, I guess. 
One of the things that I loved in the book mm-hmm. was the way that Grandma talked. Who's awesome. Grandma is awesome. Grandma's awesome. And yes. the way that she talked to um, Denise, who has cerebral, pro- cerebral palsy. Yeah. Um, she talked to her as though she mattered and yeah. she could understand. And yeah. she was a regular old human, the way that we should talk to everybody. Yes. And she didn't baby her and she didn't do anything, any of the sort of down talking that yes. lots of us tend to do accidentally or because we're just not comfortable. Yeah. Um, I did not love... Further in the book, they kind he kind of gives Denise some magical powers, and yeah. I thought that that was very trite. But I thought so. It was she interesting. She's like a mascot almost. At yeah. The end. Yes. Um, and so in the one aspect, he really hit it out of the park. I thought, oh, yeah. that's a baseball reference, not a basketball reference. I don't kick the ball in basketball. Correct. I know that. Good. Thank you. Or in baseball. Uh, okay. Yeah. Good. Um, so I th- thought he did a really really nice job in much of the description of Denise and yes. then it for my money kind of fell apart where I was like oh you were so close and then you did this weird thing and made her kind of magical yeah we've um do you remember when we read um we are the we're Vikings yes 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 it is it is often interesting and sometimes very distressing how people who are differently abled are are written and spoken about in literature, either by people who have folks in their family that they have immediately interacted with or people who are just using it as a literary tool. And I appreciated, like, people who are differently abled or that um, don't have the the same type of mental capacity or a different way of thinking of the world doesn't mean that they're not people who don't Mm -hmm. deserve the same treatment and caring and compassion as anybody else you run into. Yep. So I like that too. Um, and I didn't mind as much at the end. I thought that they were, she was like a rallying point almost. Yeah. That's another sports thing. Wow. I know. I prepped. I didn't actually write down did all the sports Did you audition term. for this? I did not, but I gave it a good go. <laughs> Is that another sports thing? You can audition on lots of things. Don't try and trip me up here. Okay. So one of the things that I had a really hard time with, and it has nothing to do with the actual writing of the book or the storyline, is the size of the school. So <laughs> my, I just, it's so random. It's no, it's not. I'm, let me tell you some more. Please. So I went to high school in a town of like 130 or 40,000 people. Okay. A city, excuse me. And my high school had like I don't know, 2500 maybe, maybe 2800 students in it. So my graduating class was I don't know, what's a quarter of that? A lot. Six okay. or seven, 600 people maybe. Mm-hmm. I cannot even wrap my head around the idea of having an entire high school of 18 students. Yeah. I don't know how you do that. Right. I would have closed that school. Why Why wouldn't you? That, that is so many resources to allocate for such a small group. Right. Like, how is that even cost effective to have more than that? Because they had at least two teachers that we know of, the English teacher, Mr. Sam, and the science teacher, um, Diana. Diana, Miss Murphy. And they had a cook and the superintendent had an office there. I, I cannot wrap my head around how that makes sense. Well, I think that's the I, I think you just hit the nail on the head with the um it's argument. not a sports term. No, it's not. Okay, it's, thank you. Yeah. Good differentiating. Thank you. Um but I, I think that's the whole point is that 
they were fighting a losing battle, that there's it, it, there's going to come a time, unless there's a huge population explosion. Everybody moves to Willow Creek because right. of the basketball team. Right. All the Norwegians come. Oh. By the way, there's a Norwegian here. Uh, and <laughs> so that was another one that I had trouble with because- and You mean the speaking style? Yes. Yes. I really struggled with that. I mean, I, so of course, it's different when you're listening because I was actually hearing how the reader interpreted the language rather than interpreting it in my own head. And I kept thinking- is that even the speech pattern that a Norwegian oh, I don't know. would have? Yeah. It seemed very unauthentic to me, but yes. I don't speak Norwegian. So I don't know, like, if it were, I took French in high school and college. So if it had been a French speaker, I would have had an ear for the common mistakes that you would be likely to make. Sure. I don't know that about Norwegian, but it just felt really, really... Um, I don't know, maybe simple, overly simplified or dumbed down. Yeah, no, it was forced. It was okay. So um, the re one of the initial reasons that this basketball team has uh, more liftoff in the first this first year <laughs> is because they have an exchange student named Olaf who's here from Norway, and he is six foot eleven, and they immediately are like, he must be on the basketball team. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he is one of only six male students. Plus, he has, he's a boy. Yeah, and he's a boy. Done. Has to do it, mm -hmm. uh, but he doesn't want to play mm -mm. because he likes to. Um, excel at things. His father instilled in him that you have to do 100. percent And the and he'd never played before, so he had no idea. He had no reason to clumsy. expect he would be good at it. Yes. And the speech pattern that they give to this character, I also do not speak Norwegian, so I have no idea if it's accurate or not. But it it definitely felt almost like a caricature. Yeah. Like they were writing it, and uh, I was trying to find a quick moment in here where he's actually in there. But it says things like instead of saying. I'm here to play basketball. Uh, basketball, I am here to play. Yeah. Something like that, which yeah. I don't know. It could be, but I don't know could. enough. Yeah. It, it, it felt kind of clunky. Yeah. Yeah. So so I, I did have one phrase, one section that in case readers are on the fence mm -hmm. about whether or not they want to read it, because like Jessica said, I think there is a lot to recommend the book. I yes. think it's... It's got a lot. If you're looking for a good, chunky book that's going to keep your interest for a while and you like sports and you're looking for a Cinderella story, this could be right up your alley. Yes. Um, but I also, since I, you know, have gone on record as being sort of a writing snob, I do feel like <laughs> I should read this passage. Okay. This is um, our friend Sam talking about his relationships with other men okay. and whether or not they have been successful in the past. We don't do it very well. We keep bumping into invisible barriers, passageways we mortared tight as we grew to save ourselves from the beasts that stalked us. Now when we want to break them down, we don't know how. We finally surrender to the fact that we can't handle being close, not really close, as though it were contrary to something in our genes. The fortifications are too thick and too well in place. Now and then, we approach it, we knock out a stone or a brick and whisper to the other side. But I've never been close to anybody in the way I was with friends in school. It's as though I've lost my childlike ability to trust. That seemed like something you would say. And this was, I believe, delivered on their first date with Diana. That seems like something you would say to your therapist two years into therapy sessions. And this was with a, a woman that he had been kind of floating around a little bit at school. Yeah. Like, oh, maybe. But, you know, his wife had passed away five years ago. He was... Having a hard time with the idea of dating, who's still having nightmares about her murder. Right. Yeah, that's that's a little heavy. They were. Th th I think there is enough value in this book that if you are interested in sports mm -hmm. 
and kind of feel-good stories, mm -hmm. even if there's a little hardship along the way, yep. is a good pick. Yep. It is not maybe the best written book I've I've ever read, mm -hmm. but it's it's fine. And yeah. I love again that it was self-published, yes. that he he really spoke to people and they it resonated enough with them for them to kind of rally around it, make it into a uh, hometown picked, word of mouth picked yes. book club, and then a publisher picked it up. I yes. think that's fabulous. So he passed away in 2015. I read a couple um, obituary articles about him. Okay. And he was 82. He had a nice long life. Okay. And he passed away. He lived, he grew up in Minneapolis hmm. or St. Paul, okay. which is, you know, the same kind of area. And then he moved to Montana and he was a pastor. Okay. And when he passed away in lieu of you know, flowers or anything like that, he asked for donations to Yellowstone because oh, nice. he felt such a strong connection to nature in his... Um, his new home, and to the uh, American Indian Youth Foundation. And I might be getting the name of that slightly wrong, but you, you could kind of tell from this writing where his loves were. Sure. He he talked about the, toba the tobacco root mountains that mm -hmm. they were in and about the fact that this town, this dying little town, was the last stop on a road. Like, it didn't go anywhere after yeah. that. It was just done. Truly a dead end. Yes. And for some people, that was good. Yeah. Like, this is... Where you go to live and to enjoy a connection with people and with nature that's not as encumbered yeah. as maybe some more urban lifestyles are. Yeah. And he seemed to really live the thoughts and the values that he put into this book. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Even though there was no real magic in here. I got past that eventually. And I wasn't looking for it either. Right, right. Like – um. Sometimes I watch space movies, and I'm always looking for the aliens, even if there are no aliens, just because you never know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the differences between us. <laughs> it's one of the reasons we're such good company for each other. <laughs> we always learn something from each other. We do indeed. Well, I want to say thank you to Lynn. Absolutely. For recommending this. It may not have been either of our uh, preferred genres, but it was definitely worth reading. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. And... As luck would have it, this was just the luck of the draw. Um, I was reading it during March Madness, so it was like a basketball infused. It was it was like I went from zero to sixty because I hadn't watched a basketball game in a hundred years, yeah. and then all of a sudden March Madness was on, which I wasn't watching, but I was listening to a book about basketball. So it was amazing, very funny, kismet, correct. So tell us about next month's book. Well, before I unveil the selection, <gasps> oh. I want to give a little background about it, how yes. it got to, onto my radar. Yes. It won the inaugural Indie Author of the Year Award from the Indie Author Project. What's the Indie Author Project, you ask? What is it? I do ask. The Indie Author Project describes itself as a publishing community that includes public libraries, authors, curators, and readers working together to connect library patron patrons with great indie published books. So fantastic. Very similar to yes. what we were saying about uh, Blind Your Ponies. And I'm delighted to say that Fairfax County Public Library recently purchased perpetual digital licenses to the existing collection in the Indie Author Project and is committed to purchasing all the new editions. Lovely. Which means that as long as the author submits the work for inclusion in the IAP database, FCPL cardholders have access to it with no wait through Overdrive. It's part of our always available collection. Love it. Yeah. So the reason we're talking about this right now is that every spring, the Indie Author Project um, holds contests in 15 regions across North America, including one in Virginia. 
And I'm encouraging now all writers and aspiring writers of adult and young adult fiction to take a look at their website, which is IndieAuthorProject.com. Because our selection for this month is Daykeeper by Ron Walker of Hampton, Virginia. Woo! And he won the inaugural Whole Country um, Indie Author Contest. Go VA! Absolutely. Represent. So... This ebook is part of our always available collection through Overdrive, um, and there will be no wait for anybody who wants the digital version. Tell me a little bit about it. Like, what's what are we, what are we reading? Well, what's it's the genre. It is realistic, so you'll hate it. Um, okay. Again, Deep it's breath. It is a writing contest winner, so it is exceptionally well written, in okay. my opinion. Then you okay? This is a pro Christine um, book. Got it, it is. It is also small, short. Okay. I mean, not small, because you have to read it on, on your reader, so I don't know how, <laughs> what the size actually is. But it took me, I'm a very slow reader, and it took me um, an afternoon to okay, read it. Okay, okay. It is a lovely book about the experiences of a um, college professor who loses his wife, uh-huh. and it's he, she is the love of his life, and he has to get past it, and um, he's figuring out how to rebuild relationships. So that's Christine's pick for next month. Uh-huh. The pick that I have for the month after that is about a robot dentist. Of course it is. Just really to set the tone for the next couple months. And it's probably 2,000 pages long. <laughs> it's not. I think it's like three or 350. Um, and actually, it's an android dentist, if that Great. makes it any, that's any better. a thousand Look, times better. Looks like a human. Okay, but we're not talking about that now. We're talking about <laughs> the fact that we're indie author. Indie we're, author. We're encouraging people to read. Yes. yes, 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 yes. And write. Yes. And go to the Indie Author Project. Because if you do, if you win or you're in their database, we will have your work. And maybe we'll read it for our podcast. Absolutely. Love it. All of it. Aspiring writers, get out there and write whether or not you want to write about real life, real stuff, or robots. You know, it's the choice is yours. Mm. See how I work that in? Oh, Magic. Yeah. So um, let's let's wrap this up before you really give me the, the, the angry eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us on You're Making Me Read. What? <laughs> Even if this book wasn't your cup of tea, there are millions more where that came from. And don't forget, you can always grab these books and much more at your local library. Please do join us next month when we will be discussing Daykeeper by Ron Walker. And it's Ron spelled R-A-N. Yes. If you want to read it in advance. I believe it is. I have heard it pronounced Ron. My apologies if it is pronounced Ran, but I believe it is Ron. Ron Ran walker yes thank you and keep on reading